probably said that before from time to time. That's the worst. And it's probably not. And it's probably not even all that bad. But we tend to complain, right? We, we tend to, uh, to lean toward complaining a lot of the time. There was a, there was a movie that came out in the 90s uh, with one of the mo- most basic, descriptive, on-the-nose titles of any movie ever. Well, no, it wasn't snakes on a plane. That's something different. But, uh, but it, it had, uh, it had uh, one of the most basic descriptive. It, it starred Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, and it was about two grumpy old men, and it was called Grumpy Old Men. Right, yeah, you, you, there you go. Uh, those, those guys were the most complaining, negative, intolerant, griping, fussy guys you've ever met. I looked for a clip to show, but there wasn't anything appropriate to show at, uh, on Sunday morning at, uh, at this time. Uh, they profanity laced and complaints and grousing and insults and all that. I mean, and that did, movie did so well that they made another one. Grumpier old men, right? As if they couldn't get any grumpier, we, uh, we made another one, I guess. And of course, those movies exaggerated those grouchy attitudes and behaviors that we can all uh, relate to to some extent. And uh, everybody thought it was funny. And, um, and, and uh, yet most of us probably wouldn't express ourselves in those extremes, right? Uh, I mean, they, comedy, uh, one, one thing they say is that comedy is exaggeration. And so that's exactly what, uh, what they did. So we, we you know, we, they were they were overdoing it in order to make the point. If we were to act like that in our day-to-day life, we'd have no friends and we'd lead a miserable existence uh, uh, because in reality, no one likes to spend time with, with a complainer, right? With a, with a, a, a grumbler, with a, a grumpy old man or woman or young, a grumpy person, right? Uh, studies have shown that, that, that a uh, few things are more detrimental to our lives, even to our physical health, than a bad attitude. Because our attitudes begin with our mindset, and if our perspective is stuck in that, in that muck of negativity, uh, then, then our body and our behavior and our, and our mental, emotional, and even physical health uh, will take on that negativity. So in the, in the, the time we have left leading up to Thanksgiving, I, I, I want us to focus on what may seem natural to focus on this time of year, I guess, gratitude. Uh, but, but, but I want you to promise me this week and next week, I, I want you to promise me that you won't let this just be this little shot in the arm because it's Thanksgiving. Okay, can we, can we do that? Uh, I, I want you to, to promise me, to promise yourself that, that you're gonna, gonna do your best to take these things to heart and, and, and to live them out throughout the year, not just for the next 10 days, right? Uh, that, that we're gonna live lives of gratitude. So with all that as a, as a setup, I, I want us to, this week to focus mainly on confronting uh, one of the main enemies of gratitude, and that is complaining. That's the worst, right? The, the, the Greek word used for complaining in the New Testament actually means to sigh, <sighs> right? Sighing is just a nonverbal complaint, right? Uh, to be honest, I find myself sighing <laughs> more and more these days. I'm not sure why. Actually, no, I probably did it a lot as my kids were uh, on their way up. Uh, it, it, for, for me, uh, it's, it's a lot of times when I'm behind the wheel. I, I'm just full, full disclosure here. People just don't drive the way I want them to a lot of the time, right? And so, so I tend to, <sighs> okay, <sighs> 
I get it honest, my dad, uh, usually in relation to something that I was doing or something I had done, uh, he, would, he would sigh. He was a sire. Um, uh, but, but he did it almost uh, this, this, I think it was kind of a comedy routine. Uh, but uh, no, he would, he would kind of, he would do this. He would go, <sighs> sigh. Which I always thought was a little redundant, right? Because you're you're uh, saying what you're, but but I find myself uh, through his modeling and probably in some sense through, to in memory and honor of him, I do that all the time as well. <sighs> Sigh. But uh, anyway, you, you could <clears throat> cough. You know, it's, it's the same idea, right? It, you're 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 just explaining what you're, but uh, uh, but mostly in. In jest, I, uh, I do that, but I do find myself from time to time sighing, but sighing is just really non-verbally complaining, right? And, and, uh, and it comes, comes naturally. Complaining comes naturally for us. We are, we are naturally selfish, so when things don't go our way, we complain about it. Now, I, I want us to realize, though, that there are probably always, there's always probably something that we could complain about legitimately, right? I, I mean, life is not perfect, and there are things that we wish were different. And I think we could literally complain nonstop. And many people do. Uh, and, and most of the time, I mean, they're right. There are things that are wrong. And I mean, the coffee is cold, or the weather does stink, or the refs did miss the call, and we lost the game, and it was just, and there were a lot of people going, boo. I mean, booing is complaining, right? So uh, when I'm behind, the, those people really can't drive. They're not doing, uh, I don't have enough money, so I'm going to complain about that. Or, or we think about the world, and, and war is terrible, and terrorism is frightening. There are problems with the government and with politics, and, and oh, you're growing up, oh my my parents don't understand, and, and man, it is awful to be sick, and, and I am getting a raw deal at work. I, I mean, there, there are legitimate things to complain about all the time. So, maybe you've heard about uh, the, the Israelites in the Old Testament. Uh, whether you have or not, uh, let me just say that they were uh, the quintessential illustration of complainers in in Scripture. They were the most whiny, complaining, grumbling people that we see in the whole Bible. They were slaves in Egypt, uh, working hard under the heat and making bricks, and they were beaten and mistreated, and finally God rescued them, and, and Moses uh, led them off toward, the, uh, toward their homeland, back to the promised land. There were all these supernatural signs and wonders in order to make that happen, and, and, then, and then they got out, and everything's great, and then they, they ran into the Red Sea, and it's blocking them on this side while the, the army is coming after them on this side, and, and they complained to Moses, and they said this, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? But it's legitimate. I mean, there's where it's looking, looking pretty bleak, right? But of course, God came through and, and miraculously parted the sea and they, they crossed on dry ground and the Egyptians uh, followed them and then the waves came in and, and they died in the waves and it's pretty, pretty crazy stuff and they, they made it to the other side. And so you'd think they'd be on cloud nine, but, but a few days later they started complaining again. I mean, it was hot in the desert and water was scarce and, and then they found water, but it wasn't fit to drink. And so in Exodus 15, it says they, quote, grumbled against Moses about the water. And God came through again and he uh, supernaturally made that water drinkable. 
And a little while later, they complained about not having much to eat. And so God literally rained down bread from heaven every morning. And it was, it was an amazing thing. And so, so now they're good, right? Everything's good. Well, no, not good enough because now they said, okay, we got, we got heavenly bread and all. And that's, that's awesome. But, but where's the meat? We've got to get our protein here. What's it? And so God brought, uh, uh, birds, quail would fly in on the wind and they would catch them and eat uh, just amazing stuff. But as they continued to travel, there was a water problem again and, and more complaining. And then later they got to the, the promised land. But, but uh, when they sent in uh, spies to check it out, they saw that, oh, there's people and we're going to have to fight them and, and uh, it's going to be hard. And, and so they complained again and again and again and again. Psalm 102 verse 25 kind of summarizes it well. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. Now we could sit here and point our fingers at them and say what a miserable, uh, uh, sad sack uh, of people and, uh, and yet I think we need to recognize first off that you and I would have complained too. If we were there walking through that, we might have even complained more. I mean, they had legitimate things to complain about. They were in the desert and they had no drinkable water. I think I'd complain. Uh, they had no food. I mean, when's the last time you missed a meal? right? Uh, it, it, was, it was difficult, and it was stressful, and it was hot, and it smelled bad, and they were thirsty and hungry, and I'm starting to grumble a little bit just on their behalf thinking through all that, right? There were legitimate things to complain about. So, so what's the big deal? Why, why shouldn't they uh, have complained? What's wrong with a little complaining now and then? I guess that's, that's the question we're getting. What's, what's, what's the big deal with complaining? And uh, I mean, over the years and in different sectors, we, we hear a lot of reasons why complaining might not be Good. A lot of people today uh, push the power of positive thinking, right? And they say that a positive attitude is just best and, and seeing the glass half full is better than, uh, than seeing it half empty and, and the power of positive thinking gets you much further than, than always being negative and I think there's a lot of truth in a lot of that uh, and, and might, those might be some good initial reasons not to complain but, but I'm not sure that that really goes far enough for us today. Another reason to not grumble or complain uh, could, could be the consequences of, of doing that. Uh, some of you growing up may have heard a phrase a little like this, quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about. There's consequences sometimes when we complain, right? When we're crying about something, when we're whining and complaining, there's going to be consequences for it. I mean, uh, it, it, there, were, there were huge consequences for the Israelites. I mean, God didn't take kindly to their grumbling, and they were punished for it. I mean, people died because of their grumbling. and compl- That's a great motivator, right? Oh, maybe I shouldn't complain uh, because my neighbor just got uh, burned up in, a, in an explosion. Maybe I won't do that. There are consequences. Uh, it doesn't lead to anything good. And so there's, there's a reason not to complain, I guess, right? Another reason could be simply that, uh, that complainers are, are downers, right? We, they're, they're depressing. No one wants to be around those grumpy old men, right? So someone who's whining and complaining all the time. You don't want to be around that person who's always uh, ripping on this or that or, or always cynical and negative and sarcastic. And, and so I guess that's a good reason uh, to not complain uh, because usually people don't want to be around complainers. So if we want to have friends and, and people to, uh, uh, to be with, maybe we shouldn't complain. And uh, okay, that, well, we'll give you that. I just think there's more to it than that. Another reason uh, is that complaining doesn't solve the problem. 
We like to, we like to complain about things or, or whine about it, but we don't necessarily offer solutions. And so well, we, we need to be about making things better. And when I'm complaining, I'm not doing anything to fix the situation. So, so uh, be a part of the solution. Don't just whine about it, I guess. And, and, and that's true and, and, and that's valid and it's a good reason to, to stop complaining. And I think we're getting there, but, but there's probably still more to it. I, I guess as I, as I think about it, and, and uh, uh, when we get right down to it, the, the issue with complaining is what it says about my faith and trust in God. When I'm complaining, I'm ignoring what God can do. When I'm complaining, I'm ignoring what God can do because God is at work and he loves you and he's on your side and his perspective is so much bigger than yours. He sees everything and he has a plan and so you can trust him. And when it seems like life is falling apart and everything is going wrong and you have every right to complain, you can choose either to focus on all those problems or you can rest in the character and the promise and the perspective of God. When I'm complaining, I'm ignoring what God can do. So back to the Israelites, let's apply this to their lives. They're stuck between the the sea and the enemy army. They've got a choice. I can complain or I can trust in what God can do. And he came through. Oh, there's bitter water. I've got a choice. Do I do I uh, I can complain or I can trust in what God can do. There's no bread. I can complain or I can trust in what God can do. There's no meat. Well, I can complain or I can trust in what God over and over and over. You you get the idea. God's vision is far better than yours. He has a complete perspective and, and we can only see a little sliver of, of this life. And so we trust in the one who sees the whole picture. We trust in what God can do. And one big reason to trust in what God can do is because of all the things that he's already done. So I guess maybe we could say it this way. Complaining is also ignoring what God has done. So we're we're trusting in what God can do, but we're also ignoring what what he's already done. Each of those challenges in the wilderness were opportunities for those Hebrew people to remember how God had come through for them before. Uh, Remembering is a great path toward gratitude. I think a lot of times we we don't express thanks and gratitude because we don't take the time to remember the positive things and we're just focused on on the negative. There's a, there's a little verse uh, in the in the middle of Exodus that I think helps us see this, and it's kind of obscure, and 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 you'll have to hang with me in this. Uh, I I had never even heard uh, heard this, uh, or I ran across it maybe a couple of years ago. Somebody was uh, doing a little devotional on it, and and I thought, oh, that's interesting, and and uh, and and so as I was preparing for this message, I thought I think that's uh, something we could look at here today, and so so it's it, it's a, a little verse in Exodus chapter twenty six. And, uh, and, and the translation's a bit weird, and, and we're going to look at some footnotes. And, and but just hang with me here, because I, I think it has something to say to us. Exodus 26, 14. Here is the earth-shattering verse uh, for your life today. God's talking to the people in the wilderness, the, the Israelites, they're walking, and he says this. Make for the tent a covering of ram skins dyed red, and over that a covering of the other durable leather. You are ready to take on the world now, right? That is a transforming, life-giving verse. What in the world, Pastor Pete, are you talking about? Okay, so here, there's a, there's a footnote. You see the little, uh, there's a little star, durable leather, the, the other durable leather. So I don't know if, you, if you've got your Bible open or you look down at the bottom, one translation for that 
word for durable leather. The, uh, the Hebrew word uh, could be translated, it says, as, get ready, it's going to blow your mind, possibly the hides of dugongs, to which I said, what in the world is a dugong, right? So maybe you know what a dugong is. Uh, turns out a dugong is that, okay? It's, it's kind of a manatee, only, uh, only not quite, but it's in the manatee family, I guess, and that's a, that's a dugong. Uh, still doesn't help me much, though, right? I mean, they're supposed to make their tents out of manatees. Okay, well, this is really getting weird, Pastor Pete. I'm not sure what, hang with me, okay? So to muddy the waters a little bit, Pun intended. Uh, 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 another translation of this footnote says, possibly the hides of large aquatic mammals. Uh, still another one's listed as dolphin skins. So we've got the whole aquatic thing going on, uh, but, uh, but then that just acts, uh, makes us wonder even more. Uh, so in the, they're in the middle of the wilderness. Where in the world are they getting dolphin skins, Right? How are they supposed to acquire the hides of large aquatic mammals? Where are the manatees while they're following uh, Moses in the, in the desert? Uh, the answer is the Red Sea, right? Stick with me here. We're going to keep going. When that sea parted and they walked across on dry ground, I'm just, just keep your mind open here for a minute. Could it have been possible that there was sea life that died in the process? I know, that's sad. The little, the little manatee guy was pretty cute. I, I mean, I get it. But, but one scene I still remember, I, uh, the, uh, the, the, the biblical uh, documentary, the, the Prince of Egypt, do you remember that? Um, or the cartoon, anyway, this was one scene. So the, that's the Israelites walking across there, right? And then, then it showed this, uh, this whale kind of coming up and then going past. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's kind of, yeah, there would have been, uh, you know, like, like, uh, you know, sea life in the, in the water and all that. And that, that kind of, you know, just, just kind of made me think and that's, that's kind of cool. But could it be, could it be, keep your mind open, I know, it's weird, that some dolphins or manatees or large aquatic mammals didn't make the turn <laughs> and, and kind of landed on the dry ground? I know, it's not, not happy to think about. Could it be that they weren't necessarily lucky enough to, uh, to, to stay in those, uh, uh, the, the, the water and the walls and they came and the people crossing and the, oh, look here, and they harvested those animals? Could it be that they ate the food and had the hides, the skins left over? It's, I know, stick with me just a minute longer. I know, it's weird. Might get emails this week, I get it. But could it be? that God instructed them to make their tents out of dugong skins so that when they're lying on their beds looking up at night, they'd see a large aquatic mammal hide and remember what he'd done for them? Can we entertain the thought that God wanted his people to not forget how he had worked on their behalf in the past? so that they could trust that he was still active in their present and in their future. Those hides of large aquatic mammals could have been used specifically to help the Israelites to be thankful instead of complaining. Whether all that happened or not, or I'm just taking that to an extreme, either way, the principle is the same. We need daily reminders of God's work in our lives so that we will not forget to be thankful. 
I guess what I'm saying is, look for the dugongs. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, that's one way to think. Where are the dolphin hides in your life? How are you making sure that you're remembering what God has done so that you don't forget what God can do? Where is it that you tend to grumble and complain? Find ways to remember what God has done so that you can anticipate what he will do. I, I don't want you to get the impression as we talk about giving thanks and, and oh, gratitude, that, that, that we're just, we just resign ourselves to whatever comes our way and, and we should never speak up against injustice or, or grieve losses or, or seek to change things in our lives. I mean, what I'm talking about here is the attitude we use when we raise those concerns and, and that's what makes all the difference. The people of Israel uh, weren't simply speaking their concerns as they, as they encountered these problems in the wilderness. They, they were grumbling against God. They were questioning his leadership. And, and as that verse in Psalm says, they were disobeying in the process. It wasn't just, I don't get it, God. It's, uh, that doesn't make any sense and I ain't doing it, right? And, and so we, we, uh, they, were, they were disobeying. We, we don't need to be happy about everything that happens in life, but we still re- must remain submitted to God no matter what we're facing. I guess, I guess it's like um, what Paul taught in Philippians chapter four, where he tells us to, to call out to God with prayers and petitions, making requests to God. So he says, don't be anxious about the stuff that's happened in your life, uh, but he says, uh, bring it before, before God. Call out to God in prayer. He's acknowledging there, there are things that, that, that go wrong in life. And, and, and so in the face of that, uh, rather than getting all twisted up about it, uh, we need to ask, God, ask for God's intervention. And then he says that no matter the answer, he doesn't talk about, and then God's going to come through and make everything better. He says, no, no matter what happens, God's peace will settle down on you as you walk through that. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, Philippians 4. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that's just a a Bible way of saying the peace of God that doesn't make any sense, but I can experience it even if I don't understand it. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's describing uh, the, the, the result of gratitude and uh, contentment instead of complaining. In that same passage in Philippians 4, just a couple of verses later, verse, verse 11, Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Contentment, peace. Complaining doesn't get us to contentment and peace complaining stirs, stirs up even more contentment or more complaining and, and resentment. Contentment uh, and peace come from gratitude, right? Present your request to God. I, I don't know if you're a complainer or not. Maybe you catch yourself sighing. <sighs> Sigh, right? Like I do. I, I don't know what tends to lead you toward grumbling, but, but, but I do know that, that complaining doesn't lead to contentment and grumbling can keep us from gratitude. When you're complaining, you're forgetting what God has done and you're ignoring what God can do. You know what I think about that? I think that's the worst. 
Father God, we thank you for uh, your amazing grace, the abundance that you bring to us. Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll keep our eyes on the things that, that, that you have done and the things that you are doing. I pray that, that if there are things that, that, uh, that, that get us all worked up or, or uh, that we're anxious about, that we'll be quick to, to turn to you with those things and allow you to bring your peace and contentment to our lives so that we're not just living lives of, of, of complaining, but that we are living lives of gratitude. I pray that it would be evident in our lives, all those around us, that we are living for you. And one big piece of that is that we are people who are living lives of gratitude. I pray that you would go with us now and that you would enable us and lead us and help us to be your people, your hands and feet and voice in the world where we live, that, that we can, we can uh, uh, keep our eyes open to the people around us and uh, love them with your love so that we can introduce them to life with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Amen.